Let's open our Bibles to the book of Matthew, please. Matthew chapter 6 today. Matthew 6. You'll find that on page 1503 in that book rack Bible in front of you. But whatever you have, your Bible, your tablet, your smartphone, find your way to Matthew chapter 6. Well, we turn a page in the book of Matthew to a new chapter. We've been in this book now for six months, hard to believe, and we're in the sixth chapter. You can do the math. We're going to be here a while. What a great study. What a beautiful study that we are in. And we're in this little section called the Sermon on the Mount, which smack dab in the middle of it. Chapter 5 focuses on the true character of the believer. Who is a believer? Jesus is identifying who are the believers, who are the sons of the kingdom, who are the subjects of the king. And today we come to a shift in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is going to take a little bit of time and he's going to talk to his followers about what true devotion looks like. True devotion. I mean, here's the big question. Is our devotion to God sincere or are we just putting on airs? Are we for real or are we just faking our relationship with God? That's the issue that Jesus is going to uh, unravel for us here in this beautiful text that we're going to look at today. It comprises the first 18 verses of chapter 6. We're going to look at just the first four this morning. So let's read the text that we're going to be in and just see what it has to say to us. Follow along, beginning in verse 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Okay, we're going to stop right there because we're going to look at each one of these sections this morning. Let me show you where we're going today. In verse 1, there's this overarching statement that we're going to unpack for just a couple of minutes. And then we're going to move into what it looks like to be devoted. Jesus is going to talk about three areas that manifest true devotion to God. This is what devotion looks like, and we're going to see what that, what that is. And then we're going to kind of unpack uh, in a general sense what the specific discipline that Jesus is talking about here today is all about. So let's just back up for a minute and look at verse 1. And here's what we see in verse 1, if you're taking notes. Religious people are sometimes perceived as, you ready for this? Show-offs in the devotion to God. Now, how many of you like being around a show-off? We don't like it, do we? You can see people coming, big talkers, people that think they've got it better than everybody else. People that are better do things better, pointing out that they do things better. Sometimes when it comes to our relationship with God, the clothes we wear, the way we talk, sort of makes it sound like we're showing off to people. That it's really about us and our relationship with God that we want everybody to see. And the interesting thing about this is, it's not always easy easy to discern what's really going on in the heart. And that's why Jesus, as he always does, brings the matter to the heart. It's about the heart. I mean, we might perceive someone as showing off, and in fact, they're actually just worshiping God with full passion and devotion. Because a person that's totally committed and passionately involved in his or her relationship with God, 
could be sometimes perceived as one who's just simply showing off, just someone who's putting on airs. But there's nothing more damaging and off-putting when we really are showing off, when we have this holier-than-thou kind of attitude, when we are around people, we uh, make them feel lower than us. Now, why are religious people sometimes show-offs? Here's why. Uh, This happens because religious people are usually motivated by more what people think of them than by what God thinks. I mean, this is the bottom line. Jesus says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. To be seen by them. Jesus warns his followers not to live this way. Be careful, he says, to not do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen. That little phrase, to be seen, if you want to just underline that in your text, to be seen, it's the, from one Greek word, theomai, which is the word that we get theater from. It's a picture of acting. And in fact, later when he uses the word hypocrites, that's a word that describes, hypocritos, the, a word that means behind the mask. This is all theatrical language. It's a picture that in the midst of the drama of God's kingdom, some of us are really play-acting. We're not real. We're pretending. We're playing a part. But it's really not us. I'm amazed, maybe as you are, as sometimes you watch one of your favorite actors or actresses, and the amazing gift they have to actually play a role that is so convincing. That's what makes a great actor, right? They're so convincing. You watch them in the movie, you think, that's the way they are. And then you see them in another movie, and you go, whoa, wait a minute, that's the way they are. And it's so confusing, but then we realize, no, they're actors. They're playing a role. And Jesus says, be very careful how you demonstrate your devotion to God, because in reality, sometimes you fall over that line from actually being devoted to God and simply playing out a role. Now, you might think for a moment that this is contradictory because if you look back to chapter 5, verse 16, there we learn that Jesus said in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Oh, wait a minute. Jesus said, let your light shine so that everybody sees your good deeds. And here he says, be careful not to be seen. (laughs) What is that about? It just feels contradictory, doesn't it? Well, Jesus is saying that, that we shouldn't do things in order to be seen doing it. And there's nothing wrong with being seen doing great things for God. There's nothing wrong with being seen having great devotion to God. But it's just a one or two clicks one way or the other that can move us into actually wanting to do things in order to be seen. And that's what Jesus is addressing in Matthew chapter 6. It's not about wanting to be seen. It's about living a life so passionate and devoted to God that when people see that in our lives, that they are also moved. So it's not a problem of being seen. It's a problem of doing something in order to be seen. Because when we do things in order to be seen, this is the ground zero for pretentious living. Now, why does God, why does Jesus warn us about this? He warns us because of what it says in verse 1 that anyone who lives this way will not be rewarded or blessed by God. He says, if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. We'll come back to this later in the sermon, but I just simply point out here that there's no reward for this kind of life. 
And, and Jesus may have been referring to here, I don't know, I'm just going to suppose here, that he was referring to this moment that we read in other places in the New Testament called the Bema Seat Judgment. And if you're not familiar with that, let's just take our Bibles for just a moment and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Hold your place in Matthew 6, or you can get back there in just a minute. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10, we've got this picture of this judgment on the believer's life. We must all appear, Paul writes, before the judgment seat of Christ. This is the word bema seat. This is a picture of of reward. It's a judgment of reward. Now, we have said over and over, and this is, let's just focus in for just a minute, because the Christian life uh, is is a life freed from the judgment of God. We, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Do you believe that this morning? Aren't you glad that you belong to Christ? This is the core of the gospel. That there's nothing we can do to earn our relationship with God. There's nothing we can do to fall out of our relationship with God. We are at once completely accepted and completely forgiven all at once and for all time. This is the beautiful measure and, and a picture of the gospel. So what is this judgment seat that we're going to be before? What are we going to be judged for? The scripture says that we will be judged on the basis of reward as a believer in Christ. He says, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And the word bad there is the word that describes useless. There's a lot of things that we do in our lives that are good and there are things that we do that are just useless. There's not going to be reward. And Jesus may have been referring to this aspect of our reward when we stand before God. That if we have done things in this world in order to be seen by people, we might, number one, we might just be a religious person, not have a relationship with God at all. Because those are the folks that really go over the top trying to perform in such a way as to get God's approval as well. But it's also true that there might be a believer in Christ who simply lives in such a way wanting to be more accepted by men than even of God. And so all of those good works, all of those things that he or she does simply has no account because the motive is wrong. Uh, Let's go back to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you're in 2 Corinthians, just go back to the previous book because Paul again refers to this same picture, I believe, here in chapter 3, 1 Corinthians 3. Uh, beginning in verse 13. Let's begin in verse 12, actually. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, that word day there is likely an inference to the judgment day, the Bema seat day, where believers are judged for the motive of their work and what they did for Christ. It will be revealed with fire, it says, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. (laughs) That's a curious verse, isn't it? That's a picture of standing before God and God sort of this refining fire We sing that song sometimes, refining fire, beautiful song. How God sends this refining fire through our lives. 
And at the judgment, all the stuff that we did to be noticed, all the things we did out of self-motivation, not for the glory of God, things so that people would notice us, how great we are, how helpful we are, all this stuff, all that stuff, the fire comes through and it's just burned up. Now you're saved, praise God, each man will receive his reward from God. That'll be a beautiful moment. But there may be some who just simply did their life and lived their life in such a way that honored God and glorified God and great reward from the Father. And I think we forget this. We forget this beautiful picture and I don't know how all this will pan out and how it will really look at the judgment. I don't know. We're just reading scripture. We see through a mirror or through a glass dimly right now. It's not crystal clear to us how all this is going to shake out. But what Jesus says here, back to Matthew 6, Jesus says here, be careful because if you live to please men, you will have no reward. You can forsake your reward. And I have a feeling that that Jesus has intention there to really bless us at that Bema seat judgment, don't you? His desire would be to bless us and give us a beautiful reward. And I don't know what that will look like, but I think that will be an exciting day. And so, Just a little focus here that what we've seen, although might be a little vague, we've been looking at just generalities here. Uh, I noticed that in my Bible, this little phrase, your acts of righteousness, are yours in quotes? Mine's in quotes there. And the reason for that is because to the Jewish person, Jewish piety was defined by one's participation and devotion in the three areas that are addressed in this chapter. So if you have your eyes on chapter 6, look at verse 2. So when you give to the needy, that's the first one. Verse 5, when you pray, that's the second one. And then uh, verse 16, and when you fast. These were the three acts of Jewish piety. This was the way you could see a person's true devotion to God. They gave alms, they gave to the poor, they shared their financial resources, they prayed, and, and you know, they prayed differently. Jewish people in the day, and in fact even today, pray differently than we pray. Uh, there's they would have the prayer shawl uh, with all of the, the beautiful ornaments of the prayer shawl over their head and over their shoulders wrapped around and they would rock back and forth. And if you go to uh, Jerusalem today, you'll see the people on the Western Wall rocking in their prayers. It's very fervent. It's very passionate. And so when you did this, when you prayed, it was in a sense a public demonstration of your devotion to God. And then fasting also came into that picture too, how you denied yourself pleasures of the flesh in order to demonstrate your devotion to God. And Jesus pointed out that these three areas that Jewish people looked at as a definition of true piety could easily be lost in the quagmire of a person's self-aggrandizement, a person's self-desire to push him or herself forward in in the eyes of people. Now, these three areas that Jesus outlines here, we're, we're going to look at them each week at a time here. Today, we're going to look at the first one. But let me just simply describe what they, what they mean to us. These are, these are all areas that come in the form of disciplines worth pursuing in our lives. So even though these really define Jewish piety, I think to, to, in a very real sense, they also define our devotion to God too. I mean, how we share our financial resources and so forth. So let me just, if you want to write them down, we're going to come back to them. But just first, giving financially to the kingdom work. Giving financially is the first 
point that Jesus brings out here, verses two through four. Now this is almsgiving, this is giving to the poor, uh, but I've sort of broadened this out a little bit to show the picture that what Jesus is talking about here is how we share our resources to build up the kingdom of God. And this is a huge discipline in our Christian lives. We, every time the scripture talks about it, we talk about it here at Three Crosses, but there are some people who get a little funny about, well, gee, the church should never talk about money. Jesus talked about money more than any other topic he talked about. It's interesting. And we're so kind of afraid of it. So here we are today. Jesus talks about when you give to the needy. Not if you give to the needy, but when you give. There should be a discipline in all of our lives of sharing our finances with those who are in need. And that goes just through to the ministry and through the ministry of Christ's church out into the world and to a needy world around us. Secondly, effectual prayer. Effectual prayer is a discipline worth pursuing, verses 5 through 15. Next week, we're going to unpack that whole issue of what it means to pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. And then thirdly, self-denial. Learning to live a life of self-denial. It's a discipline worth pursuing. And here, the focus is on fasting. Uh, Fasting is really not commanded in Scripture, but it was a way that people show their devotion to God. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna broaden that a little bit and, and in the picture of fasting, talk about the things that we deny ourselves uh, uh, of or uh, deny ourselves for the purpose of showing our devotion to God. Now, here's the problem. These disciplines, according to Jesus, can easily morph into pretense. They can morph into what isn't devotion and becomes religious religiosity and impressing others. For example, really quickly, financial giving can turn into a means of impressing others with how much we give. In Jesus' day, there were people that actually come into the temple and they would unload their coins, didn't have paper bills then, they would unload their coins in the treasuries, the, the, the boxes where people would bring their gifts and it would make a clamorous noise. And Jesus said, be careful that you don't announce what you give with trumpets. And we don't know if really that was the case or if Jesus was using sort of a hyperbole. There was sort of like a dun, da, 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 you know, look at what I'm doing. And there are people that sort of do that. And we can all relate to the fact that when we give a gift, sometimes we like to be seen having given that gift. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 whoa. Be really careful that if the motivation of giving the gift is so that people see you giving the gift, be very careful about that. And it's not that Jesus doesn't want anyone to see what we're doing. Again, it's the motive of doing it in order to be seen. So financial giving can sort of become a thing of impressing others with how much we give. A second thing uh, is that prayer can turn into an exercise that really is about impressing others and not so much talking to God. We're talking with God. Um, have you noticed that sometimes in our prayers it sounds more like we're talking to people? I've noticed that. Uh, have you ever noticed pastors who pray things like, Lord, you know the deficit in the general fund right now. And you know that we need $15,000. You know, so who, who are we talking to here? Does God need to be informed of that stuff? <laughs> sometimes we pray with, a, with an overarching sense of Wanting really to speak to people. I remember when our kids were little, sometimes I pray, Lord, our kids are just not getting along right now. Lord, help them to be honest with each other. You know, and once in a while our kids would call me on that. Dad, you're really talking to us, aren't you? 
<laughs> yeah, I guess I am. Sometimes our prayer is really just letting other people know what's on our heart. We're really not talking to God. And Jesus said, we're going to look at this next week, be really careful because your prayer time can morph into a conversation with others and not really a conversation with God. And thirdly, your self-denial can turn into a pity party where you really only want people to see what you're going through. Oh, you, you look kind of peaked today. You don't look so good. What's wrong? Well, I'm, I'm fasting. You just don't know how hard it's been for me lately. I've just, man, living for God is just really, really trying sometimes. Pray for me, though, because, you know, sometimes we just, we, we want people to sort of feel sorry for us for the devotion that we have for God. And Jesus said, as soon as, as soon as your giving turns into impressing, as soon as your prayer turns into a conversation with people, and as soon as your self-denial turns into a pity party, you've crossed the line. And the reward is no longer there. And this ought to really frame in all of our hearts a greater desire to really search our hearts to see what's there. Are we really devoted to Christ or are we going through motions? And sometimes, if we're really honest, sometimes we're going through motions. I find myself doing that, just kind of going through motions, autopilot. It was so beautiful to be reminded this morning in the midst of our musical worship, why we sing. For some of us, it was like, oh yeah, that's right. Because we just came in and while we were singing songs to God, we were thinking about the grocery list that we have to take care of on the way home from church today. Or what's gonna happen with one of our favorite sports teams. Or, or whatever. We just were sort of like drifting into the little pockets and all of a sudden someone stands up and says, this is why we sing to God. And we say, oh wow, that's right, yeah, okay. We re-engage, we plug back in. And I don't know about you, but I need that reminder constantly in my life. I need to go through my day being reminded countless times a day why I'm serving and really asking the Spirit of God to search my motives. Why am I really doing this? Why do I follow the Lord and do what I do? And, and sometimes I'm going to be really, really brutally honest with you sometimes. As a pastor, sometimes I feel sort of, uh, you know, this is my job. <laughs> and it's easy to forget that this has to be just as much my passion as it is your passion to follow Jesus. That it's not because I'm a pastor that I do the things I do. I have the privilege of, as a pastor, doing many things in my Christian walk in terms of the role that I carry as a pastor and even being supported by, by the body of Christ to do that. That is such a privilege. I remind our pastoral team about that all the time, as much as I can. This is a privilege what we do. But we can't separate the fact that Jesus still looks at our hearts and he says, why do you do what you do? Is it because you do this because the people expect you to do this? Because you get paid to do this? Or is this really in your heart? But this can also be for volunteers who stand at the door on Sundays or work in a children's ministry or help out in our student ministries. That you, you are in positions where you just find yourself, it's comfortable, you've been there, and you're just on autopilot. And, and in a sense, sometimes autopilot is good because you're just so sort of indifferent to the purpose, you're just simply serving the Lord. 
But the toxic side of the autopilot is sometimes we're really not even serving the Lord. We're just going through motions. So let's, let's take the last couple of minutes here that we've got together. What are we doing? Good, we've got a few minutes. And let's just walk through this passage and see that there are specific ways to ensure the proper formation of these disciplines. And we're going to start with this picture of, of giving to God. And we're going to see a couple of things quickly, real quickly, if you're taking notes, what it means to give, what it means to give to the needy or to share our resources in God's kingdom work. How do we do that in a way that really honors God? And let me just suggest to you from the text itself what I believe these are. Number one, we should focus on honoring God with our gifts, not impressing people. I know that goes without saying, but verse two, when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. Sometimes giving is motivated by gaining some kind of recognition, right? I mean, you've seen it. Platinum givers receive blank. Gold givers receive blank. Silver givers receive, bronze givers, clay givers, you know, whatever. <laughs> Giving in order sometimes for a name to be publicly recognized. Some won't give unless a building is named after them. Or the addition of the hospital or the dormitory or the school. Now, this isn't always pretentious. Sometimes it's just the way a business or a ministry offers gratitude for what's contributed. But again, the point comes back to motive. The line gets fuzzy sometimes. The hook for some people is that they're only motivated when they are recognized for having done so. And Jesus warns against this. He says, be careful. Don't do this like the hypocrites do. Don't role play. Don't put on the mask. I've been so blessed to be a pastor in a church, to be around generous people who faithfully give without trumpet fanfare, to just give out of obedience to Christ, to donate, to share, to unleash their resources for the glory of God. And these people, all of them and all of us are giving in such a way that will just simply help others. And that's such a beautiful thing. Whether it's helping kids go to camp, uh, last week we saw that donation, the motorcycle, beautiful, just anonymous, just someone saying, I want to release this. I want, I want more kids to experience camp. Uh, there was a person in our church last week who saw that little video and heard that little story. It was their second time being in our church, and they hearkened back to a memory in their mind when someone had helped them go to camp as a young person. And their whole lives were, sh were just shaped and changed by that. And that so touched this person's heart, they shared a generous donation and just told the story about it. And it was just very, my first time, my second time in church being touched by this, I felt God wanted me to do this. And, and by the way, you know, it's pretty hard to give anything completely anonymously because it has to be received by somebody. And we're just so touched by the fact that the overwhelming heart of this person was just simply to honor God with what they had been given. So, but if you're taking notes, you might want to just note there, I've written down that this comes when we seek as much as possible to give anonymously, to give without fanfare, to give without a sense of gradation or names or anything else. The point is not that no one knows. The point is that we give regardless of who knows. Do you get the difference there? It's not that no one knows, it's, it's regardless of who knows. 
The second thing that helps us in our sharing of our resources, remember that motive determines reward, not the size of the gift or the impression we make when giving it. Motive determines the reward. Look at verse four. So that your giving may be in secret, Jesus says, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What does the father see? He sees what's in our hearts. He sees our heart's desire. This is a a beautiful thing about the way God sees what's going on deep down inside of us. Because when our motive isn't to glorify God, then whatever recognition we receive from people, Jesus says, is all we will receive. (laughs) So, you know, if you're going to give that way, I hope it's a real bang because that's all it's going to (laughs) be. Jesus said, if you give so that you will impress others, don't expect anything else than that. And I think all of us would agree that would be a very short-lived kind of thrill or experience. This little phrase Jesus says, he says, they've received their reward in full. It carries the idea of a receipt that shows full payment has been made. Lastly, develop spontaneous and generous giving so as to make it an unconscious reflex in our lives. Verse three, when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Isn't that an interesting statement? What does that mean? It means, I'm trying to give it to you in a timeless principle, it means that we'd be so uh, spontaneous that it would be sort of just like muscle memory. You know, I I love watching an amazing athlete. When you watch a man or a woman who has trained their bodies to be proficient in their sport, You'll often hear people say in the stands or in watching or observing someone like that, they'll say, you've said it too, you'll say, wow, they make that look so what? Easy. Now, was it easy for that person? Well, actually not, because what you see in that action, that movement, that stroke, that lunge, that whatever they do, whatever they have done, they have done thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times in rigorous discipline in their lives. So that when they get to the point of actually doing it, what happens? It becomes out easy. And I think what Jesus is saying to us is he's saying when it comes to giving, this is the way we ought to be. That we have to train ourselves and discipline ourselves But in doing so, in training ourselves and disciplining ourselves, when we hear a need, when there's someone that could use resources that we can give, it becomes just an involuntary reflex. We pull out our wallet, we open our purse, we say, Lord, use this for your glory. And it's almost like we write the check, we give the money, and 10 minutes later, we can't even remember we did it. We're not wondering, like, I wonder who saw me do that. It's just, I don't even remember doing that. And this is the way God's kingdom builds. This is a beautiful thing. This is what Christ's followers are about. So, when it comes to living our Christian life, Jesus warns, let's not be show-offs. Let's do it out of our pure devotion to love God with our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And next week, we'll see what that looks like in prayer. The week after that, we'll see what that looks like in self-denial, in the life and purpose of fasting.
Let's go to the Lord right now. Shall we pray?